Bryce Elder has the start of his life for the Atlanta Braves on Monday night with a complete game shutout. The offense gets some big home runs, including one from Matt Olson. We'll talk about Bryce Elder's big start as well as Matt Olson starting to heat up a little bit, perhaps, in the offense as well. We'll discuss all that and set you up for Tuesday's game on this edition of Lockdown Braves. So let's get into it. You are Locked On Braves, your daily Atlanta Braves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, and welcome back to Lockdown Braves, part of Lockdown Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. I am your host, Jake Mastriani. You can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball and check out my bio there to see where I'm covering the game of baseball, including the Atlanta Braves in written form over at tomahawktake.com, where I'm the co-editor. Also, make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves. Send in any questions, comments, or feedback that you have for the podcast. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, do me a favor, hit that thumbs up button and that notification bell because it really does help support the show a ton whenever you do that. And as always, thanks for making Lockdown Braves your first listen of each and every day. We post episodes daily, five days a week, Monday through Friday, and are free and available on all platforms. On today's Tuesday edition of the podcast, we're going to be recapping Monday's big win over the Washington Nationals. We'll break down Bryce Elder's start and what his future looks like for this Braves team. And then we'll turn our attention to the offense, which didn't have a ton of hits on Monday night, but they made them count, including a couple of really good hits by Matt Olson. We'll talk about him and could he be starting to break out of things a little bit. And then we'll set you up for Tuesday night's game, which has another young player for the Atlanta Braves looking to step up in the rotation and Kyle Muller. Let's begin with a Monday Monday's game where the Atlanta Braves won eight to nothing over the 100 lost Washington Nationals. So again, another TCB special for me, taking care of business. They get it done. And let's not discount the fact that this team played a long game on Sunday, big two plus hour rain delay, a hard fought game and extra innings back and forth. They take the train to DC and get in later than expected, go to the White House, have all of that to do on Monday, which, by the way, I don't want to gloss over that. The team did get to go to the White House on Monday, so that's obviously a very cool thing for them and for every champion that gets to go there. Uh, so that was a special moment. But they go through all that hoopla, come out and play a, a Nationals team who, again, the Braves should beat up on, but you still got to take care of business, and they're able to get it done a little sluggish early on. We'll talk about that a little more when we break down the offense, but somebody who wasn't sluggish was Bryce Elder. He was completely on the attack in this game and, I mean, was just cruising early in this game. I, I joked on this on the postcast with Grant McCauley, which you can find on Lockdown Sports Atlanta YouTube or on the Lockdown Braves podcast feed. Both of these teams early in this game – were swinging like it was the last game of spring training. Like they were ready to get this thing over. Both teams were being highly aggressive, but specifically the Nationals, a lot of quick outs, a lot of one-pitch, two-pitch at-bats. 
So that worked into Bryce Elder's favor for sure, keeping his pitch count down. But credit to him for being in and around the strike zone and getting those early swings and getting those quick outs. But he goes nine innings, complete game shutout, allows just six hits, only one walk, which is big for Bryce Elder. I've talked about it. The thing that's really clipped him up at the big league level, especially are the walks. So for him to pitch nine innings and only walk one batter, that's really big there. Again, part of that is because the aggressiveness of the Nats not really making working any deep counts and putting the ball in play early. Six strikeouts. Again, you usually see more strikeouts for that than Elder, but again, because the Nationals were being so aggressive and not getting behind in the count, not as many strikeouts, but that's perfectly fine if you're generating weak contact. And he did all of it in 106 pitches. I thought for a minute we were going to have a Maddox-like performance. He was going to do it in less than 100 pitches. Look, for a while he might do it under 90 pitches, but still just 106 pitches, complete game, shutout. The first complete game of the year for a Brave starter and obviously the first complete game shutout of the year for a Brave starter. Any Brave starter, not just a Braves rookie. First time a Braves rookie starting pitcher has done it since 1990. So an incredible afternoon or night for Bryce Elder. And you look at his past four starts now. He's allowed just two earned runs in his last four starts. That's 27 and two-thirds innings pitched. Granted, those starts have come against the Marlins and the Nationals. So you have to keep that in perspective, but still highly impressive. You got to get it done. You know, both of those teams aren't very good offensively, but still you got to come up, throw strikes, get it done. And not only has he been good in those starts, he's gone deep into those games as well, going at least six innings and all but one of them, in which he went five and two thirds. So Again, just the performance that he's been able to come up and give against these teams that the Braves should be beating just speaks you know, a lot for what Bryce Seller has been able to do, and it's given this Braves rotation a huge boost because you've been able to skip guys, keep guys fresh and healthy down the stretch, and now with Strider out, you need this. You need this type of performance from Bryce Elder, who's likely going to get at least one more regular season start, and then we'll see what happens in the postseason. But before I get to that, I want to talk a little bit more about his performance on Monday night. One thing that was very noticeable for me, and he mentioned it after the game, that he had very good command of his fastball. And he throws four pitches. I talk about this a lot with Bryce Elder. It's why I think he can be a very effective big league pitcher for a while. He has four pitches that move all over the place, which make it really hard to square him up. But on this night, it was 57% sinker. He had very good command of that sinker. What was really impressive, and Matt Olson mentioned this in his post-game press conference, is that in the ninth inning, he was backdooring that sinker to right-handed batters and punching people out. I mean, he he was putting that sinker wherever he wanted to. And, you know, I love the fact that he had that type of command and feel for it, and they just wrote it out and continued to throw that pitch. You know, mix in some of the other pitches every now and then, but for the most part, he just kept throwing that sinker you know, you got a pitch that moves that much and you have command of it. You got to ride it out like that. So I love the game adjustment there to just continually throw that sinker when it was working like it was. He only had 11 swings and misses on the night. You know, not a not a ton for a guy who goes nine innings and was as good as he was. But again, I think part of that speaks to the aggressiveness of the Nationals, you know, getting a pitch in the zone early in the count, putting it in play. 18 called strikes, pretty solid. 
But 89.3 mile per hour average exit velocity, again, you know, getting that weak contact with all the movement on his pitches and that sinker, which is diving and moving all over the place, only six hard hit balls on 25 balls put in play. Again, showing you not getting hit very hard. So, again, I love that by Bryce Elder. Has some great defense behind him as well. Ronald Cunha Jr., who returned to the lineup and in the field, made a great catch up against the wall in right field. Win helping a little bit as well. Blew a couple of balls in. A couple of balls of Braves hit that I thought were gone. Uh, they got held up as well. One from Eddie Rosario that I thought was a, a no-doubter died at the wall. So he got a little bit of help from the win, a little bit of help from his defense, particularly in the sixth inning. He loaded the bases with one out, and Luke Voigt hit a 99.1 mile-per-hour liner right to Austin Riley, who caught it, threw it to second base for the easy line drive double play to get out of that jam. So, you know, when you pitch a complete game, you pitch a complete game shutout, you got to have some help behind you. The defense of the Braves certainly did help him out on this night, but overall, just a great performance from Bryce Selder. Saved the bullpen, which had to throw a lot on the, on Sunday because of the extra innings. So save the bullpen in this game as well, which is huge for going forward and obviously for the big games this weekend. So can't say enough about the performance of Bryce Selder, not just on Monday, but what he's done these last four starts when he's been up, coming up against inferior opponents and just taking care of business, doing exactly what the Braves need him to do. So that leads to the question, where does he fit into the postseason plan um i don't think he's gonna get a shot in the rotation especially if strider is healthy it's still gonna be you know freed Wright, morton and strider if strider's not healthy then maybe we do see bryce elder pitch in a five game series maybe he pitches a game four but i either way I, i'm not sure that i see him in a in a rotation spot in the postseason but i think there's a good chance maybe we see him as part of that that pitching staff and that bullpen. I think he definitely deserves a spot over Jaco Rizzi at this point. Then it comes down to, does he deserve a spot over Jackson Stevens? Does he deserve a spot over Jesse Chavez? Um, I think you can make a case for Stevens. If Stevens is more of your you know long reliever when the game's kind of out of hand, uh, although he did a great job on Sunday, obviously shutting things down and has been very good at times. I think maybe you could get a, a spot over over Jackson Stevens, or maybe you don't have to, you know, get rid of either of these guys. You can keep Bryce Elder on there, depending on how they stack up the roster and who's available. Again, a lot depends on the health of Spencer Strider. So that'll be something to watch. Again, I think Elder gets at least one more start in the regular season, probably that last series against Miami, who again he has had a lot of success with here recently. So we'll see what happens with Bryce Elder, but either way, he stepped up big. On Monday for the Atlanta Braves, got a nice, easy win. Next, we'll turn our attention to the offensive side of things where didn't have a lot of hits, had a lot of strikeouts early on, but got some big home runs, got some hits when it mattered. We'll discuss that next. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find, and as always, bet online remains your continued source for all your sport wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf, and obviously with the start of football season, plenty of action there as well. Head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. 
it took a while for the offense to get started on Monday night again. Maybe perhaps some of that because of the long day and the long night that they had previously. But early on in this game, did not look very promising for this Braves team who had struck who struck out seven times against Corey Abbott after last time not striking out against him at all. That was highly concerning, but thankfully they finally did break the bats out. Again, got some big home runs. Eight runs on just six hits. They did walk five times, but eight strikeouts against seven of those coming against starter Corey Abbott. Just one for three with runners in scoring position, three left on base, not a ton of opportunities, but again, took advantage of the ones they got. And as we've talked about a lot, they had the extra base hits in this game, had a double and three home runs. And anytime the Braves hit three home runs, they're going to have a really good chance to win a game. That's true for most teams, but the Braves do it more often than most teams. So certainly love to see the ball and getting over the fence. And a big part of this was a five-run sixth inning that the Braves had, a walk by Austin Riley, a single that bounced up the middle by Michael Harris, who was batting fourth in this game. Good base running by Riley here going first to third. I've talked about the middle of this order and how it can be so station to station. So love to see Austin Riley cutting the second base bag there on a ball that bounced up the middle and getting to third base with nobody out. I, Again, as I look at these games in, in microscopic view and I'm detailing what I need to see to, to know this team is ready to go for the postseason, that's one of those little plays right there just cutting the bag, going first to third on a ball up the middle by a guy who's not known to have a ton of speed on your team. I thought that was a huge play there by Austin Riley. That knocked Corey Abbott out of the game, who I said was really good early on. He ended up going five innings, gave up three hits, three walks, five runs, four of them earned, but seven strikeouts after last time the Braves faced him. He didn't strike out anybody over four innings. That was a career high in strikeouts for Abbott. So kind of a weird game for the Braves offense, especially early on. Contreras gets hit by a pitch, loads the bases. Then he had a big error on what should have been an ending-inning double play, but an error by the Nationals allowed the inning to continue. Then Ozuna followed up with an RBI double, and then Orlando Arcia, really good at bat, went down, got a fastball, drove it out to center field for a big two-run homer to really put the game away. Wanted to mention Orlando Arcia for a second. Got the start in this game over Von Grissom, who we know has been Struggling a little bit um, here lately, but I still think Grissom is the guy going forward. But Orlando Arcia had some big games early in the year and was hitting the ball really hard when he was getting these spot starts and coming up off the bench. So good to see him in there hitting the ball hard. He hit three balls really hard on Monday night, a couple the opposite way as well. He's homered in four straight games at Nats Park, so maybe a good idea to start him in this series that he seems to love playing there. Most Braves hitters seem to love playing there. Uh, he did have a backhand play at second base, a tough play, but one that I'd love to see him make. So again, he was, he was great for there defensively for the Braves earlier in the year. Um, so I do, still do like him there defensively, probably over Von Grissom. But again, I'm looking at these games. I'm breaking everything down in a microscopic view saying, hey, is this team ready for the postseason? That's a play there I wish he he would have made, and I think he'd probably tell you he would have liked to have made. And I wanted to mention Matt Olson for a second. Um, I'm recording this on Tuesday morning, and I watched MLB Central this morning and Mark DeRosa breaking down Matt Olson's swing. And 
he talked about the fact that Matt Olson is just missing the fastball right now. He's batting under 200 against the fastball over the last or in the month of September. And that's a pitch, you know, he's usually been able to crush. And if you've even heard the announcers talk about it during the games, he's so in between right now. He's, he's late on the fastball. He's early on the off speed pitch. It's almost like he just needs to just sit fastball and, and adjust to off speed. You can't be missing the fastballs the way that he has been. And so it's been good to see him in these last couple of games square up some fastballs. Had a big two-run homer. I mentioned the offense early on in this game on Monday was very sluggish. Couldn't get anything going. But you got a, rock, a walk by Riley. Matt Olson follows it up two batters later with a big two-run homer off the foul poles. So that ball hit 107.6 miles per hour. He also had a sack fly later in the game, which was an even better swing. A ball hit 110.3 miles per hour on a line right to the right fielder, but again, did result in a sack fly. He also drew a walk in this game, so gave you a little bit of everything. He showed you the extra base power. He's able to draw draw a walk, showing you his discipline at the plate, you know, a big sack fly. So, again, it's it's two games. We saw him hit some balls well on Sunday, but you, I got to see more from Matt Olson to consider this, you know, coming out of a slump, but Great to see him square up a couple of baseballs, draw a walk. Um, hopefully we continue to see more of that. As I've been saying, the Braves are going to need Matt Olson if they're going to repeat as champions. And certainly what we've seen of the last couple of games are some pretty good signs of that. Uh, Michael Harris, I mentioned a second ago, batting fourth in the lineup. That was an, an interesting decision. I don't necessarily know that I, I love him there, but uh, getting creative, putting and, you know, one of your best hitters or one of your hottest hitters up in the lineup, you know, certainly can't argue Ryan Snicker over that, but don't know if that's necessarily where I like him long term. But, I mean, hey, the guy's been hitting the ball, put him in a better RBI run scoring situation. So that'll be interesting to see how Brian Snicker handles Michael Harris going forward. All right, next we'll turn our attention to Tuesday's game, where, again, Kyle Muller coming up, hoping to do what Bryce Elder was able to do on Monday, and hopefully the Braves are able to take care of business against the Mats. We'll just against the Nats. We'll talk about that next. On Tuesday night, it will be Kyle Muller versus Espino of uh, Espino of the Nationals. Uh, Muller rough rough September in Gwinnett. I mentioned this yesterday when we did the weekly minor league update it's been a rough september for kyle moeller an era over six a whip close to 1.4 but we know overall at gwinnett this year it's been a really good season for him his last time up with the braves he has been he was really good as well five innings three hits uh one walk two earned runs five strikeouts so he's been really good you know like i said most of the season for the Braves, and he was good last time up against the Marlins. Braves are looking for him to, you know, maybe not throw a complete game shutout. That would be nice, but give the Braves five solid innings, you know, keep them in the game. Hopefully the offense is able to go to work, but they're doing this to try to set up the rotation for the weekend. They're pushing Max Freed back till Friday, and then you got Freed, Kyle Wright, Charlie Morton lined up to go against the Mets. So, they're going to rely on these young guys, Bryce Elder, Kyle Moeller, as well as Jake Odorizzi, who's getting another start on Wednesday, to take care of business against a team that you need to be able to take care of business against in a struggling Nats offense. So 
it's a bit of a gamble by the Braves because you have to win these games. Again, I've talked about it. You have to go into that Met series either tied or ahead. Otherwise, you got to sweep that series. If you go into that series behind even a game, you have to sweep that series because the Mets own the tiebreaker. So if you're behind one game going into that series, even if you win the series, the Mets still hold the advantage because they just have to win one game in that series to win the overall series against the Braves this year, which would give them the tiebreakers. So you have to win these games against the Nats. Hopefully the Mets slip up against the Marlins and you can go into that series tied. And then if you win it, you're up a game. And then you still got to take care of business against the Marlins and wins those three games. But it's at the point now, even though it's just a one game deficit where the Braves pretty much have to sweep the Mets unless they can go into that series tied. And that is all dependent on the Braves taking care of business against the Nats and hopefully getting a little bit of help from the Marlins. But they'll need Kyle Muller to have a solid start. They'll need Jake Odorizzi on Wednesday to have a solid start. And hopefully the offense can continue what they've done these last three games and put up some big numbers. They'll try to do so against Paulo Espino on Tuesday. He faced the Braves last week and gave up uh, one, just one run on four hits and two walks over four innings with two strikeouts. He's been solid overall in September, but not going deep in the game. So don't expect him to be around more than five innings unless the Braves are, are free swinging early in the counts like they were against Corey Abbott. But either way, you're probably going to get a lot of bullpen usage from the Nats in this game. But hopefully the Braves offense can get going a little bit earlier, put this game away, settle things down, let Kyle Muller kind of settle in and give him a cushion there. But again, Braves have to win these games. They can't slip up the rest of the rest of the way. They can maybe afford to lose one game the rest of the way, but they got to pretty much play perfect baseball from here on out, and they'll have to continue to do that on Tuesday. That will do it for this episode of Lockdown Braves. Thank you for making Lockdown Braves your first listen of every day. Now go make your second listen, Lockdown MLB where MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and a unique perspective on every team, talking about the biggest stories from around the league. Again, thanks for listening to Lockdown Braves. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves. You can follow me at shortstopball. Also, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast, and we will talk to you next time. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias, DC Lundberg, Ryan Finkelstein, Taylor Blake Ward, host of Locked On Yankees, Locked On Mariners, Locked On Mets, Locked On Angels, and you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 